Hello, beautiful people. This is Rajiv, your friendly photography host with the podcast Photo Country back again. After a bit of a break, I had been to India for a wedding. It was super hot, but I had loads of fun. And now I'm back again with yet another episode of Photo Country. This episode is is local because I I had a chat with a Avondale local. Avondale is my neighborhood. I love this neighborhood. I've done a lot of community events, and one such community event is what prompted me to get in touch with this photographer. She has a Instagram handle Rebs Leafy Lens, and she does a lot of nature photography. So she's really passionate about. educating people about the the greenery around you i know the different plants that grow around you so that's how i kind of uh, got interested in chatting with her the interesting thing is uh, she came for one of my photo walks that i had done while back to the oakley creek waterfall which is a waterfall in this neighborhood that's an interesting part so It's not just an interview; it's a conversation. I was discussing about the things that I like to do in photography. So it's pretty, it's pretty different in the sense it was not a one-way conversation. It's a, it's a lively exchange of views. So hope you guys like it. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Rebecca Ronald. Reb, thanks for joining this call and to coming out to this podcast chat. So, so thanks. I appreciate it a lot. and yeah let's start with today because today is matriki day what's its significance because I, this podcast goes out to the entire world so people outside of new zealand may not know its significance ah good question so it's a new zealand a spe- special to new zealand holiday not it's more than just a holiday sorry okay it's a celebration of the new year for maori for Maori people and for all New Zealanders really nowadays but it was a traditional Maori one it's when a certain set of stars called the Matariki cluster appear above the horizon and we've only just in the last few years started recognizing it in a big way and got a public holiday so it's quite cool to have our own public holiday not one that we imported right but is this does this holiday change its dates every year based on the sighting or is it a fixed day because changes. it was a different day last year yeah no changes it, because it goes with those stars and the moon and, oh yeah no it's the first new moon after the stars appear or something i feel bad because i don't know and i should i'm a bad new zealander oh no yeah because i think it's because you said it's something to do with the sighting of the stars yeah so i was wondering if it's like ramzan because it's ramzan changes every year based on when the the moon cycle yeah No, it does change every year. Not sure whether the public holiday is going to always be shifted to be adjacent to a weekend. I've not checked that out. I think that's what it should it will be, I suppose. Yeah. Right. But awesome. it's kind of it's kind of a period of time like in the weeks surrounding it, it's a time yeah. for traditionally for family get-togethers and things like that. So has it always been like that even before people talk started talking about it and it became a holiday and all of that was it traditionally a big day for maori households i don't in the maori families that i've been cl- most closely connected to it wasn't ever recognized when i was growing up or not that i noticed but before that 
I don't know. Yeah, no, there's, I've never heard or read much about it until recently. But there's, I'm really curious. Yeah, because for us, uh, our new year falls on April 14th every year. And it's usually people celebrate it in a big way home. That's so, fun. yeah, yeah. So we have our the month starts on, on, on April 14th. So, so it's interesting to know how, to know whether there are Maori month, all of that, and how does it, the year go by? And, you know, how do you then identify seasons? It's interesting because yeah. each culture has its own way of calendar. Yeah. And often I think they're based on growth cycles and warm sun and moon and warmth. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because for us, like for example, marriages will not happen during a particular month. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So like for example, I think there is a season called Marguerite and it comes at the end of the, the English calendar year, uh, around December. So after a certain date, you don't do anything new. Like you don't go to a new house or you don't start anything new during that month. Wow, I've never heard of that. Yeah, so That's it's cool. interesting. And are there lots of colors and clothes and things like that? Celebration activities? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. so each state has, uh, it's all based on language. So they have their own new year. So multiple New Year's. That's fun. So if you really wanted to, you could travel around and just have almost permanent, have a really long celebration. Yes. Yeah, because Tamil has a Tamil New Year, Malayalam has a Malayalam New Year, then you have a Telugu New Year, then you have a Canada New Year, then you have a Gujarati New Year, then you have a oh. Punjabi New Year. So it just goes off and off. That's fun. Lots of celebrations. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, coming to your photography, let's start with what you do. Just tell us what you do and how you got into this whole photography thing. Cool. I kind of have drifted into mostly photographing plants, and but basically I take photos everywhere and anywhere. I'm quite. I just enjoy it as a way of looking at the world and trying to get the best picture I can and things like that. But yeah, it seems to be mostly plants. They're one of my favourites because they don't run away and they don't talk back. They're very obedient photography subjects and I often do close-ups and that's mainly because I'm really curious about how things work so I like to look close in at them and I guess I just thought of this realized that I was doing this recently I think as I age and my eyesight gets worse I enjoy more the fact that I can zoom in on a camera yeah I but, can <laughs> identify with that yeah yeah <laughs> yeah and then and I have another problem so I have astigmatism. Does so that my, mean they're different? My, yeah, my right eye shifts. Oh. <laughs> so, so it's uh, sometimes I have difficulty nailing the focus because of the, oh. uh, the things I have to align. So when you're looking in the camera, does it matter, make a big difference which eye you look through? No, because I... It's, it's a, so the thing is, I started... I wear my glasses, but when I take photographs, I move them. So that an eye can see through the viewfinder better. Sometimes, uh, yeah, because I have short sight as well as uh, yeah, my astigmatism. If I go, if I wear my glasses and go near the viewfinder, it gets blurry. Oh, 
So I remove my glasses and then so it, it's a pain to move. Take yeah. Then put it. <laughs> oh, just one more thing to do between you and the perfect photo. Yeah. So yeah. So I just remove my glasses and chuck it if I'm going about my business. Yeah. That's good. Smart. Right. Right. So I mean, my art. A lot of it has been influenced by my my growing up and sometimes my condition because I have this eye stuff and I get migraines and stuff like that. So I try to sort of reflect my art in the kind of work that I do, the kind of photographs that I take. Oh, and sometimes yeah. like I, I try to take photographs with and sort of make an abstract thing with it. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a reflection of how I feel, right? Is it the same for you? Like how was it how is it influenced? Does it does what you think influence the kind of photographs that you take that day? I think definitely. There are definitely days when my mood just isn't in that space. But it's more, I think, for me to do with how busy I am, whether I've got time to stop running and sit down and look around me. And that's partly why I do it, I think. The, the, it's almost like an informal meditation to stop what I'm doing and look around and look close up at things. Yeah. So is it more like therapy? Because I I interviewed a guy, a photographer, and he was doing in using photography as therapy. I think so. I think definitely there's an aspect of that in it. Like there was nothing super badly wrong before I started taking so many photos, but it definitely does help my headspace. Yeah. Yeah. It's my alone time. Like I can. Yeah. <laughs> just. Uh, be somewhere and just do my own thing. Yeah. Is that something like that for you as well? Like, definitely, uh, yeah. Like your release after a, a day of work and all that stress, then you take a camera and go out there and that and it's kind of like yeah, it's released. Out. Yeah, except it's for me it's more intertwined. So it's often not when I'm it's not I don't put time aside to do it like that. And that's yeah. probably why often my photos are on the cell phone because it's while I'm on my way to somewhere else or doing something else that I'll stop. And so it's not so much time out from everyday life. It's adding depth to everyday life kind of thing, right. I think. Right, right. But once you your work starts getting recognized and once you start getting better at something that you do, mm. has that changed? Anything? Good question. It definitely has. I think I the main change, no, I think most of the change is just happening over time. The more photos I take, the more confident I get at it and think of new ways of doing it. But the other thing that has changed is where whether I care what other people think of them. But then I guess I always, it's always a, a double thing there's oh would other people like this but then at the same time there's well do i care do i like this that kind of thing yeah so yeah, yeah. so the that uh, social validation thing is a it's kind of a rabbit hole right <laughs> yeah definitely it's too easy to get sucked into the trap of only caring what other people think and then it becomes work it's not a hobby and it's not part of 
I mean, and that's okay for the, for there are lots of people who do it as work and it works really well for them. And it would be cool to do that. But at, definitely where I'm at the moment, it's what I do for enjoyment. And I don't want to ruin that by thinking too hard about making it just for other people to admire. Right. And yeah, and you said you're fascinated with plants and nature and things of that sort. Mm. How did you get to that? Like growing up, were you, did you have a background where you lived in a place where there was opportunity to go out and enjoy the outdoors? Definitely. So as like way back when, as a teenager, we lived on a farm during my teenage years. And my thing that I did often was to go off for long walks at the back of the farm, exploring, seeing what interesting things I could find and coming back with weird and wacky things like bones and Cody snail shells and whatever, stuff like that. So that curiosity was is probably a bit inbuilt. I did live for quite a while in the bush in Coromandel in Colville, and so I was surrounded by plants and trees and really interested in trying to grow more natives. On the, It was a regenerating bush block, so we were mucking around planting trees and taking cuttings and experimenting. At that time, I, I did have a film camera, which I guess ages me a bit. And we, my friends and I used to, a few of us had cameras and would go out trying to take artistic black and white shots and things like that. And constantly, if we were ever near a library, just flicking through books about photography and photos. And it, so it probably comes from that quite a bit then. But then it went quiet for a while, I guess for years, I... Then I had kids and got a job teaching and suddenly all the photos I was taking were either of the kids or taken for work of school activities and events. I still really enjoyed it and I still challenged myself to get the perfect shot. But then it was probably the last few years, I guess, the kids have moved on and work is a bit calmer now. And I'm taking, so I've got space in my life to go for walks and things and COVID was quite a handy time for going for walks because it was a good excuse to leave the house and so around about that time I did start taking a lot more photos and that's when they shifted towards plants because I guess that's what I was walking past and that's what I'm interested in figuring out getting zooming in on plants and seeing why they are like they are. I did go into, I did have a couple of turning points, like, for example, going on a photo walk with this guy called Rajiv from <laughs> Avondale in Auckland. And that was really cool. I, you probably can't remember it, but it was down, it was organized yeah, by was Jody. It ba- yeah, right, right. I've done a bunch of walks with Jody over the years. Uh, one of my most favorite and popular walks was the one to the Oakley Creek waterfall. That's where this one was. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah, because my theory is you don't have to jump on a car and travel. Exactly. Hundreds of kilometers to take the perfect shot might be just around the corner. Yeah. You need to explore your neighborhood. Exactly. That's one of my big philosophies is is it's right there in front of you. You don't have to wait for some possible future date to get a photo. Yeah. Yeah. So how was that experience going on the walk? What changed? Oh, yes. No, that was cool. There were... One thing was that three of my family members came too, my daughter and her boyfriend and his brother. And so having it as a group family outing is very cool. Having it local is very cool because we're just lucky that we have organizations here who organize cool community events. 
like that. And also having like your philosophy, I guess, rubbed off on me, that thing about it's all around you, you don't have to go out of your way, but also that the cell phone in your pocket is good enough to to get really good photos and to edit them. And there was the simplest little, there were a few settings you showed us. I, of course, thought I knew it all already. And then you showed me how to long tap and slide to make the picture brighter or darker. And I was like, how did I never discover that? So, yeah, that was very cool. Yeah. I mean, those I think, simple things people take for granted and they use it just in a, in, in just like in a very, they don't think about it when taking photographs. My whole thing is you need to think about taking that photograph. It needs, mm. you need to shoot with intent. That intention should be there because you're, when you're pressing that button to take that photograph, it's actually a creative decision. So to capture that point in time forever, it's a creative decision. So think before you actually do that. Yeah. I do so, enjoy the thinky side of it. Like yeah. what's in the frame? What's the most attention grabbing thing in the frame? And is that what I want to focus on and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, because in, I think intent is in creativity very important, especially for photography, because today, because of the advent of digital, you just shoot like you have a, you hold a machine gun. Go to, go to, mm-hmm. go to, yep, guilty. Just, I just, I mean, I'm guilty of that as well. Everybody is at point. But you end up with thousands and thousands of photographs, which then you end up sitting before a computer or your phone trying to curate it. So I was mm. talking to this 90-year-old photographer and who's seen analog as well as digital. In fact, he was in Cuba when Fidel Castro rolled in with his troops. Wow. So he see every damn thing in the world. All around. And he told me like when he used to go on assignments for National Geographic, he used to carry like loads of film, right? And you never know how it's come out because he ships it off to the photo editor. And it could be weeks. Yeah, it'll take weeks. And then he'll get on the international call like, and he'll tell me, okay, this came out, (laughs) this came out, (laughs) this came out. Oh, that, yeah. That and, would be so hard compared to what we've got nowadays. Yeah, because you're limited to, uh, what, 24 or 48 frames yeah. per roll? <clears throat> but there's no limitation now. And he's no. saying you spend more time sitting in front of the computer than actually taking photographs. I hate that part of it, unfortunately. I need a workflow, a streamlined system. So yeah. I'm waiting for someone to come up with one and tell me about it. So the trick is... Imagine it's a you have a film on your phone, which mm. allows you only twenty four frames. So not like five thousand, like what's on there exactly. at the moment. So you have that mentality that I'm going to shoot only so much. So then, because at that point, every frame you click, it's also money because it's mm. you have to develop that. So, yeah. so you know you think about that and you think, okay, I'm on an assignment. I'm going to shoot only 24, then each shot becomes very precious. So you'll think think about it before you shoot. I think you might have challenged me way too far there. I think that would kill me. It would be a good challenge, good for me, but compared to my current habits, 
<laughs> so far. <laughs> yeah. So sometimes when I go to take photographs, I end up with just one or two shots. Wow. Yeah, because I'll probably take 40 or 50, but I'll delete almost 90% of it. I think that's a sign of maturing as a photographer to be able to do that, to not have this hanging on to it just in case mentality. No, because only like only 20% of them are keepers. Or the rest yeah. Of them are just junk. Usually, the way I do it is before I actually go out, I try to figure out like what is it that I want to take. That's so I have smart. it in mind, I scope out the place. Okay, then I scope out, okay, this is the kind of feel I want. This is the kind of photograph image I want. Then I look at the weather, plan it out. The wow. stars have to align. I'm impressed. You're organized. I think I could learn from listening so, to There's a lot of tools that helps you do that as well. There's one called Photo Pills. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, and it's paid, but it'll mm. show you the track of the moon, track of the sun, when the blue hour is, when the golden hour is. And it, it's also GPS, so you'll know where the sun is relative to where your position. So oh. you can line up the perfect shot. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. And mostly these days, I've been experimenting with long exposures. So I have to have a lot of just gears, put this filter on. Then you have to calculate how long you have to expose. So you have to take one shot before, test shot, take the exposure, put it in the calculator. Because you have oh, to have the filter, oh, which calculates. So, so many things have to go right. Wow. That's huge. But what a fun mental challenge to figure yeah. all that out. Yeah, you should come with me on one of my long exposure yeah. walks. That's it's, a good idea. Yeah, 90% is just standing around doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Probably, though, you make up for it with a lot of thinking and a lot of, not maths, but, you know, figuring out. Yeah, this. it's it's also what I, I mean, over the years, when I started out in the beginning, was I used to over-edit the heck out of my photographs, tried to experiment with too many things. And now we're kind of, okay, let me do one thing and try to get it right. Yeah. <laughs> ah, you're very organized and I, I'm impressed. But I'm not in real life, but at least in this <laughs> I am. Oh, well, it's all about balance. Yeah. So, like, how do you end up, like, just leaves? And I'm really intrigued by the handle that you have. Uh, yeah. So, let's talk about that. How did that come about? That is slightly funny. I, I wanted a name. I was going to make a new Instagram page and put labels on my pictures, and because I'm quite shy, I didn't want to just put my name on it. So I thought I'll come up with a name, like a brand almost, but not that fancy. And I wanted, so I wanted it to a little bit reflect my name, a little bit reflect that the what I was doing, which was photos and of and New Zealand mainly photos. I wanted people to know that my pictures were from here. So I came up with Reb Picks NZ, and quite enjoyed that because it was short and catchy and easy to type. And then I. After using it for a couple of weeks, I Googled it and discovered that it led to a bit of an unsavory site with photos where people could access photos that I didn't want to be compared to, connected to. So I did a quick pivot and I threw around lots of names and the one that, the one that 
grabbed me was ribs, leafy lens, and it covered all those. It doesn't cover the NZ side of it, but the rest of it, it does. It's photography and there are leaves and it's me doing it. Yeah. And Rebs is a nickname. I've had Reb, Rebs, Rebecca. Never Becky. I don't know why. Maybe I'm just not that type of person. But yeah, <laughs> Rebs is a nickname that I quite like. Babe. It's a, de- a debate because the spelling, oh, to distinguish between Reb and Rebs, you have to put an apostrophe in an yeah. odd place and it upsets people. They say, don't you mean Reb apostrophe S? And I mean, no, no, Rebs apostrophe. <laughs> it's the... Leafy lens of ribs, not the leafy lens of rib. Sorry, way too much detail. But I'm very into apostrophes going in the correct place, sadly. Yeah, yeah. I think I read a book. It's called Eats, Shoots, and Leaves. Oh, yeah. Sounds. It, and it's interestingly, it's about grammar. Wow. That Oh, nothing to do with. Yeah, that's interesting. Because oh, Eats, Shoots, and Leaves. You, uh, you, it, it really changes the meaning as to where you put the comma. Yeah. Like eats comma, shoots yeah. and leaves. And if you put the comma after shoots, eats, shoots and leaves. Yeah. It's a totally different meaning. Then you've shot someone. Oh, that's <laughs> fun. I like that. Like it's such a small thing and it doesn't really matter, but it also makes such a huge difference. Yeah. Really critical where you put the comma. Yeah. Yeah. And I used to be a school teacher, so I things like that get to me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And you said in our conversation before that you do you design e-learning courses. Mm, yeah. Right. How does your photography tie into that? Does it help you in developing courses? Because I imagine e-learning, you will. It's kind of a multimedia kind of an exercise, right? Yeah. It's because you're mixing much... different types of media into. Yeah putting it together so that someone will have a enriching online learning experience. Yeah, so there, there are some quite strong connections. The habit of taking a step back and looking what you've made and thinking about how it's going to affect people and what message it sends, that that's common across in both fields. The fact, I guess, that I'm doing things on the computer all the time means it's not too much of a stretch for me to decide to edit a photo or sort them out or things like that or share them. The One of the problems with it, though, is that I'm on the computer all day, every day, and so in my spare time, when it's time to be editing all those thousands of photos I've taken, they end up at the back of the queue because when I think about going back to another computer and sitting down, it's not really what grabs me. Instead, I just take the camera out and take more pictures, which is not a good habit. But Actually, I read somewhere on a photographer saying, take a photograph, don't edit it immediately. Oh. Know, leave, leave it simmer for two weeks and then go back to it. <laughs> what about two years? <laughs> but the thing is, you can actually, because you have Adobe Lightroom on the phone, okay. when you're bored, you can just scroll and go back to your yeah. old stuff that you did. And then do later of a reimagine that mm-hmm. if I re-edit it now, how will that photograph look like? That's a cool idea. That is fun. I also think it might make it easier to delete things. That thing I've got of hanging on to more than I should of the photos, it would make it does make it a lot easier when I look back at photos from last year. I I can just hit the delete button a lot more easily because I know they've been sitting there for that long. They're probably never going to be useful. Right. And just pick out the best. Right. But 
as a photographer have you been influenced by someone else in terms of their work and things like that have you have any inspirations in your work definitely as far as particular photographers i don't have any but i have I used to just happily flick through books and go, oh, wow, that's cool. I wonder who took it, but never remember the names because there's loads of them. On Instagram, late, I guess nowadays a lot, I'm less going to the library and getting out photography books and books of photos and more likely to be sitting looking at my phone or the computer. On Instagram, there are a few who I really like at the moment and they are, one of them is called Dog Walk Diary NYC, and I don't know much about her, except it seems every day uh, she's taking her dog for a walk, gathering leaves and flowers, and sometimes lately it's been hair ties, which makes me laugh, because that is the sort of thing you'd find on the ground when you're out for a walk. And she arranges them in cool patterns and takes photos of them just looking down on an interesting background, and I think that's cool. There's one Another one that's just one of those compilation pages called Patterns Poetry, and that one, I do like symmetry and patterns, and so it's just random photos of sort of repeating patterns that people, that aren't all taken by the same person. People can contribute them. What else? There are also, there's a couple that aren't photographers, and Mm -hmm. even they're painters, and Mm -hmm. they also, I've realized, have been influencing me quite a lot. Um, like not enough to make me want to start painting because I know I wouldn't be good at that. But I just really enjoy looking at their work and that they're oh, and they're New Zealanders. Oh, I know what the third one was that's photography. It's a woman at I think the South Island who goes around foraging. She somehow knows lots about what you can eat out of plants and fungi and stuff like that. So she'll go and find a thing in a tree in the bush, take photos of it, and then later on post a recipe of how you can cook it or preserve it. And I find that fun, that link between the plants, the photography and the plants and the the uses of the plants and the properties of them is cool. So the painters, there's a couple, there's one one woman in Coromandel who Mm -hmm. does pictures of plants and trees and flowers and does quite a bit of educational materials and posters and and info, what do you call those things? Infographics. And she's called Rebecca Pearson. I like her name as well. And there's one, there's a woman called Sue Lockett. And I first noticed her work just because she'd taken some close ups of Manuka flowers. She'd not taken, she'd painted some close ups of Manuka flowers. And I thought, oh my goodness, that's the sort of thing I want to get photos of. And so I keep an eye on her work, which is fun. And the other one, there's one lady I met at a market recently, and she makes prints out of her watercolor paintings of plants, and she's called Jennifer Duval-Smith or something, and she did what would be so cool as a photographer. She did a some, what do you call it when you go and work at a place for a while? A um, residency. Yes, at the Botanic Gardens in Auckland. Ah, okay. And so she got to spend loads of time painting their picture, that painting their plants. And I just was thinking, oh, it'd be cool to do that. But yeah, yeah, her work is amazing. So yeah, yeah, lots of people all the time, I'm seeing people's work and going, oh, wow, that's cool. Like your flowers. There's flowers against a black background, which I love that sort of thing. And your ones, and your travel pictures. I guess I'm a sucker for travel pictures as well. 
Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I I was in India last month for a wedding, and it's oh. like super hot. But I did manage to catch a fire festival, and it was super mm-hmm. fun. You can go check it out. So yeah. I had lots of fun. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. The one thing I like about flowers, leaves, and nature mm. is symmetry and pattern. Yeah, it is totally the science of it. On the surface, there's symmetry and patterns, which I think is something that psychology-wise humans are drawn towards. We like look at, we like seeing things that are patterny, and I do that in my e-learning design. That the court, the edges have to line up because I know that people feel comfortable when things line up and match. But so, but there's a whole deeper level with plants as well as the symmetry and the patterns. There's the why they're like that and the science between why they why that plant developed in that particular shape and whether it's to attract pollinators or deter predators or whatever. Mm. So yeah, there's so much going on. I'm a bit yeah. of a plant nerd, I'm afraid. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing is when you go out and see a pattern and then there's something that breaks that pattern. Ah, and it grabs your attention or it yeah. just irritates you. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, when you take a photograph, yeah. when something breaks the pattern, it's just it's attention grabbing. Yes. Yeah. I've seen these cool photos, nothing to do with plants, but like a street full of umbrellas and one that's a different color. Exactly. Like yeah, that something like that. Something like that. Yes, yes. Yeah. And in talking about painters, one of the influences for me was George O'Keefe's Flowers. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if you heard about, she's a famous I've... American painter. Who's no who's known for our flowers? I know the name, but I can't picture them. But in any minute now, I'll be able to because we yeah. live in the world of internet. Yeah, and another guy I like is was a photographer called Edward Weston. Ah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I've not heard of him either. I'm yeah, have Edward, to listen a, to this later and Google yeah. everyone. Yeah, and he has a famous photograph called Pepper Number Thirty. Pepper, you go- Pepper. You know that. Pepper, that chili pepper, pepper. Yeah. yeah. Wow, so, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pepper number 13. And he did a, a close-up, long exposure of, of that. It's, it is an experiment, basically. But wow. if you look at it, look at, and it's like a super close-up. Oh, it looks it's like a, a human body. Exactly. Then he went on to shoot, he went on to shoot nudes. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. And he is known for it because... See, if you, and some of the news that he had shot looks like this pepper. Oh, that's nice. So he wasn't doing it in like an exploitative way. He was doing it yeah, in it was, admiring the form. So, yeah. So if you look at the way he shot, it's all about exploration of shapes and lines. Wow. That's cool. Because if you look at this, it looks as if you're looking at someone from the back. Yeah. So it's an exploration in shapes and lines. It's just a innocuous little thing like a pepper shoot yeah. it like that and yeah, even like, Giorgio keeps painting um, and when they were painted people were they were up and they had some criticism because it, they sexualized it basically oh. because when you looked at the flower yeah this different connotation mean. for it so yeah it's interesting how these things and did she do that on purpose do you think i don't think so I don't think Probably. so. I mean, I maybe, but I, from what I read, it was not her intention. Mm. But that's what people perceived it as. 
It's funny. Oh, I guess that's a warning to us all that people can interpret our work in different ways. Yeah, yeah, but you know, it's once you create a piece of art, then you know you really don't have any control of how. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but still, I mean, it's that's also the cool thing about it is that you're that people perceive it in different ways. That's awesome. Yeah, and it's all the, the thing about these are very simple objects of everyday life: a mm. flower, a leaf, pepper, and and whatever it's. Mm. That's one of the things that and I want to exploring the beauty in everyday objects. Yes, I love that. So I think these things is a beauty in simple things like yeah. the leaves and the flowers, mm. the things you take for granted. I think that's what makes life rich. It's the small things that you stop and it's that phrase take time to stop and smell the roses or something like that. It's a phrase that yeah. just means slow down and look around you and have some have that gratitude for what you've got. And it does make life a lot better when you have that mindset. Yeah. And having photography in your life and it's come back in your life mm. for a while, how has that sort of changed the way you perceive things in general and your life? Like I said, has it had any kind of influence? It definitely has made me feel it's not like... It's just got another layer, added another layer to my life, a layer, and it's a really rich layer because it's meaningful to me. So it's not just another layer of added work to do. It's actually another layer of looking more deeply at the world around me and slowing down a wee bit and admiring things and just having a project to work on and also having a, having a project that I feel, I hope, is making the world a better place because I'm hoping that people will look at my photos and like on the surface just think, oh, that's interesting or, oh, that's pretty. But surreptitiously, I'm trying to trick everyone in the world into loving plants and caring for the environment the way I do. And so it's got that. So so for me, it has a purpose. And I do think also life with purpose is much better, much richer than life that's just day-to-day daily grind of work home work home yeah yeah, kind of and yeah yeah exactly i mean definitely the way it has changed the way i look at the world around me because i you know, once you're deeply into photography then you start observing light and shadow and yeah how the curtains move and the light falls on it and how yeah <laughs> the patterns that we creates on the wall definitely. things like that yeah that's that definitely I see compositions and frames whatever I'm walking around. Yeah. So Do you, you find Yeah, so it's like almost you're teaching your eye to see. Yeah, yeah. It's tricky because sometimes I'll be having a conversation with someone and over their shoulder is a cool shadow on the wall or something like that. And or going for a walk with someone and having to stop to look closer at a plant and they get really annoyed or not. Or not usually, hopefully. Luckily, they know me well enough to know that I'll catch up. Right. After so, taking 50 photos. So tell me something about the project that actually, which actually popped your profile onto my feed, which is the Avondale project that you did with I Love Avondale. That yeah. one's for the people, which yeah. I'm never sure. All the, the, There's a few community organizations and they're a bit interlinked and that what yeah so that's foe the people and for people listening to the podcast who might not know foe 
is the name for a group of suburbs in West Auckland is WHAU. And it's also named after a plant, which is cool and has big leaves. And there used to be lots growing around here. There still are quite a few growing around here. On the side of the cycle path beside the Avondale station, they were just looking for something for their, they have a rotating exhibition up there. And so what I chose to do for that was take six, well, there's six frames up there. So six pictures of plants from the local parks along the sides of the rail path. And for each plant to, we also included a QR code so people can go and find the plant if they want to, just sort of adding depth and educating people and trying to get them outdoors and active and stuff like that. And also wrote a bit of information about the plant, its history, historical uses, its current uses and rongoa uses. But it's tricky writing about rongoa Māori because I'm not a qualified practitioner, so I had to give that one quite a light touch. But I just thought people I know find that sort of thing interesting. And yeah, I sort of hope that people, because it's on a lot of people's daily commute, either on the cycle pass or the train, that they'll get a little fresh glimpse of greenery as they was passed and hopefully some will stop and get curious and appreciate what we've got along the side of the path a lot more. Nice, nice. Yeah. And you also display at a gallery and make postcards with your work as well, I suppose. Oh yeah, there's a little gallery in Titarangi that I discovered by chance one day and it's community run right. and they encouraged me to put a couple of pictures in an exhibition there. So that also gave me huge amounts of confidence. So the photo cards, I started putting my photos onto cards partly because of my one of my philosophies is that art should be accessible to everyone and not cost a lot. And with, I mean, you want artists to be paid a reasonable amount for all the work they put in. But for me, these the photos I chose to put on cards, they're ones that I just wanted to share and wanted to people to enjoy without having to spend millions. So I've been making cards and having them at a few markets and a few galleries around the place and really enjoying that as a little project. They, there's a few in, at Ecomatters store in New Lynn and a few at the Upstairs Gallery in Titarangi, the Women's Bookshop, which right. I love because it's, it's that connection with people and with community. It's a really fun project. Awesome. Yeah. Sounds good. And how can they access these works? Do you have a website that people can reach out to or can yeah. they order it online? I do. I have, I probably a lot, I'm a lot more active on, I'm embarrassed to say this at my age, but I'm a bit active on Instagram just because I love looking at photos. <laughs> so it's Rebs Leafy Lens, all one word, on Instagram and Facebook. And also I have a website which is still quite new, so any feedback is welcome if you find I've made mistakes in it, is rebsleafylens.co.nz. And of course, going and checking out those pictures on this on the Avondale to New Lynn cycle path. Awesome. I'll definitely do that. And what's for the future, Rebs? Like, where do you see yourself going? Will you stick with the leaves and patterns and those kind of imagery or will you venture out into taking something else or some other genre, exploring other genres as well? That's a good question because I'm imagining now that I will stick with plants, but in reality, I know perfectly well that people grow and change and evolve and there's a hugely big chance that I'll do something different and it'll drift sideways 
and that's cool. So I have no big projects planned, but I've got a quite a, I've got a few little random projects in my head that may or may not happen, just ideas. But I do I will be keeping my eye out. I think for things that combine all my interests. So there's the e-learning, there's the photography, there's I'm learning te reo Māori, and so. I like the idea of combining the different areas of my life and that's also why I like the Avondale connection with you because everything's so connected and it's yeah. like life is a is much more fun when things have meaning and connection. So yeah, no big projects, lots of little projects and keeping my eyes open for fun things in future. Awesome. So before you go, I want for people who are starting out in photography or trying to explore photography just using whatever devices that they have what will be one piece of advice for them oh only one but i'm going to you know, just one for that no i'm joking i do tend to give a lot of advice hopefully not unsolicited so may probably a biggie is not to worry about the gear just to start doing it and enjoy it and just take photos and experiment and get better and the other one is not to focus too much on what other people like do it for you but then by the same token do it for others if if it brings meaning to your life because that's so rich that was like 10 pieces of advice squished into one sentence awesome that's great advice thanks a lot rebs for coming on the show and i hope to see more shoots and leaves <laughs> yeah yeah and i look forward to reading the, that book and looking at those websites you recommended thanks reb for coming on the show it was great fun chatting with you so that's all i have for you my friends this is episode number 38 of photo country i hope you guys liked it please do share it with friends families and colleagues who love photography like i do thanks a lot for listening in i appreciate each and every one of you who have spent the time listening in to my conversations with photographers around the world till the next episode as always stay safe and keep clicking this is rajiv signing off <laughs>